It's all about the sauce. The sauce, the sauce. Boy, come and taste the sauce. The sauce, the sauce. She won't give you junk food. I will give you sauce. Hello, what's a guan? And welcome to Tea and Talk, our podcast for moms where we discuss hot pepper topics, chat with notables, influencers, and share our everyday lives with you each week. We're all native Brooklyn Caribbean American moms living in the suburbs and giving you a dose of how we navigate life in the hood, motherhood, sisterhood, childhood, the neighborhood. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you do, like, share, subscribe, and comment. This episode, we chat with women who have a migration story all their own. Many Caribbeans migrated to England during the 60s and created their own pan-Caribbean culture and communities in the UK. We wanted to hear some of their stories and see what it was like growing up Caribbean Brit. So I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you ladies um, because um, the experience in, I'm from Trinidad and many people either migrated when my mother was migrating and the choice was US or London. And my mother chose uh, the U.S. So I often wondered what it would be like um, if she had chose the London path. So with that said, can you tell us each a little bit about yourself, where your family is originally from, and where you live now? Good evening, ladies. This is Thelma. Um, I was born in West London in the 60s. Um, my mom is from Guyana, South America, not Ghana, as some people, for some reason, get mixed up with <laughs> Guyana versus Ghana. <laughs> it's so true. We live with um, that, don't we, as Guyanese? Yes, I don't know why. And my dad was from Barbados. He's deceased now. Um, I grew up with my two brothers in Southall. Um, it's the county of Middlesex. And back in those days, it was considered a white working class suburb. However, our street was a mixture of um, Caribbean, Indian, white. It was multicultural. Um, And just a little bit of history. um, As a matter of fact, um, I came to find out later the street that I grew up on, the Duchess of Cambridge, um, Kate Middleton, her mom, Carol, actually lived on our street. She lived at 57 Clarence Street and we lived at 89 Clarence Street. And um, also uh, a well-known jazz singer, Cleo Lane, um, her parents lived on our street and uh, her dad was Jamaican and mom was white. And she's now known as Dame Cleo Lane. So just a little bit of that there. Um, I'm a mother. I have a son who I'm very proud of. And I am also a business owner of Invitation to a Wedding. I'm a licensed wedding minister, also known as a wedding officiant. So I'm known for (laughs) delivering captivating, customized and personalized wedding ceremonies. within America and international. Um, I'm also a certified travel specialist for Sandals, all inclusive resorts. 
And previously, I was a court reporter and also worked in the airline industry. Um, I'm a deacon in my church and active in my church. And I am also a caregiver um, to my mom at the moment. Um, and as of now, I do live in Orlando, Florida. Hi, ladies. Uh, this is Tracy. Um, I grew up in uh, just outside London called uh, Ilford in Essex, um, close to East London. Um, I lived there for 35 years. Um, oh, it was very uh, multicultural. Um, like Thelma said, there was a lot of uh, Indian people, um, mixture of why. I mean, very multicultural. Um, I am a mum of one. He's uh, my miracle child. He's uh, 15 this year. Um, Growing up in London was, we didn't really have much. Um, my mum, she was a, a single mum. There were four kids. Uh, we lived in, um, it wasn't the pro, wasn't, we don't really call it the projects over there. It was a high rise block of flats um, with my brother, my two sisters. Um, we all shared one bedroom. <laughs> um, you know, Christmas time was very, limited and you know we it, we had a tough time of it but we were happy um education system was great you know we had I didn't have any um racial issues or anything at that time um but I had a good experience I had a good experience growing up in London my mum and dad are both Bayesians um, been to Barbados many, many times. I've taken my son there many times. Um, yeah, that's it. That's me. And how long have you been in America? I have been in the States now. This is my 15th year. Hi, ladies. Yes, uh, my name is Colette. All right, so I, I was born and bred <laughs> in London, England. Um, born in Bushy, uh, Bushy Watford, Watford Bushy, and lived in Hendon as a young child, as a baby. And then I remember we moved to Kilburn. So Kilburn, I would have to say, was my roots. And there was three of us. So I was the oldest of three. Um, so, yeah, um, child life um, was great. Um, um, single uh, mother. Uh, sorry, my, my mother um, had three of us. So it was just the three of us. And I remember never, ever wanting for anything. Um, Mummy was a hard worker. Um, but she provided. And, you know, if she struggled, we, we, didn't, we didn't know. We lived in a multi, multicultural um, area. So there was whites, blacks. English uh, people from the West Indies, different um, areas of the West Indies. Um, I have no children. Um, I'm single. And I came to America in 2007. So I've been here in the States for 13 years. <laughs> 
Where did you say your family was from? Oh, my mother is from Jamaica. My parents are from Jamaica. Both of them are from Jamaica. Good evening, all. Good evening. (laughs) My name is Yvonne. I'm Yvonne Davis. I'm Jamaican-born. Immigrated to to England in 1955, I think. (laughs) And there I live with my aunt for a long time. Have my three children there. And where we were living in England, it was um, multicolored. Everyone was there and we all get on all right. There was no prejudice that I know of there at that time. You know, so then we, um, after I have my children, my three girls, <laughs> I have to work very hard to take care of them because as they say, I was a single mother at that time. So I have to take care of my children. And then I got married and then we moved on to New York. My mom was living in New York and she sent, she said to, to me, why not? come over and visit. So we did, I did, and then my husband and I, we went and oh, we said, why not give it a try? You know, I mean, we live from Jamaica to England, why not live from England somewhere else? You know, so that's what we did. And uh, we were living in New York for a long time. And then we lived from there and we went to Boston because um, somehow I didn't like New York that much. Mm. So we decided mm-hmm. we'll go to, <laughs> go to Boston. And we went to Boston and we like it there. The children like it and they went to school. And, and now I'm here. <laughs> I'm in Orlando. I'm in Florida now again. Oh, God. I'm nice cool. warm weather. My mom actually went to England for nursing school. So if you know the reasons that your parents emigrated, let us know. I don't know it. Uh, I don't know exactly why my dad immigrated to England. Um, I could only think he was promised a better life and a job. Uh, when he went to England, I'm not sure what year it was, somewhere in the 50s, early, uh, late 40s, early 50s. Wow, that's um, early. Is that yeah. that's after World War II, World War Two, right? After World War Two, yes. Right. That's when a lot of Brit uh, Caribbeans moved to England, correct? Correct to help um, build up the economy after World War Two. Mm. Um, and so he uh, worked uh, for British Rail, the British Railway system, um, while he was there. Uh, he worked as a cloakroom attendant and painter. And he continued in that job for many, many years uh, until he actually retired and eventually moved back to Barbados. Um, As for my mom, um, her two sisters uh, sent for her as they had uh, gone ahead of her and went to England. They were both nurses. So because England was looking for nurses and, and uh, they had jobs you know, in the factory. 
and construction, things like that. So Aunt, Kath <clears throat> Aunt Kathleen and Aunt Lena went ahead and they became nurses. And then later on, they um, sent for my mom. And uh, so she came up to England around, I think it was around 56 or 57, around that time. So Was it hard for them to get to America? I mean, I'm sorry. Did I just say America? Was it hard <laughs> for them to get to England? You know, like nowadays there's so many rules and restrictions in terms of like what you can and cannot do in terms of coming up here. Even like, you know, in America, I know there's always like, oh, you got to find somebody to marry you or a sibling that can, you know, sign and, and, and send for you so that you can stay versus no. getting a temporary visa. How hard was it? Do you know? It, it wasn't hard because they were free to come over because uh, I, I believe they were, it was, uh, they were part of the Commonwealth. Yes. So it was easy, easier for them to come over. So, so it was easier to come to England than it was to come to America. Yes, correct. It was easier for them to come to England. Yes. Okay. So they were free to come over because they were part of the, uh, still under the, um, the British rule. Mm -hmm. um, so, so when my mom came over, um, she, uh, her and her cousin, they came over on the boat, a very long, long ride, a long trip. And, um, and that's how she came over to England. Mm -hmm. uh, she worked very hard. Um, she worked uh, in one of the factories. I, I remember her going for a job at one of the factories, um, Keely and Tongue. And uh, the job that she went for when she went there, <laughs> she was given a mop and a bucket to mop the floor. Wow. And she said to the lady, I didn't come here for that. <laughs> and she actually dropped the mop and the bucket and walked away. <laughs> so <laughs> she quit. She walked away off the job. Yeah, she walked away off the job. And oh, she right. said, I didn't come here for that. So, um, yeah, she. Uh, uh, she came around, she was around 21 or 22 years of age. Mummy came from a, a family of 14 brothers and sisters. Um, I could say probably 19 altogether because my grandfather remarried after grandmother died. Mm. And uh, Mummy had, had graduated from Taipan and shorthand school in Guyana. And uh, she had wanted, wanted to start her own shorthand and typing school but then decided to come to England when um, her two sisters sent for her. Mm. So, uh, and that's where she met my dad. So that's how she ended up in England. As far as I'm aware, my mum came um, to the UK, obviously for a better life, better opportunities than they had uh, in Barbados in those days. Um, I know she went to nursing school only because I saw a picture one time. I says, oh, look at my mum in a lovely uniform. Mm. Um, but growing up, you didn't really ask your parents a lot of questions. Um, I don't know if it's uh, amongst all island women or whatever, but you never really asked them too much questions. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, she did go to uh, nursing school. As far as my dad, I'm not too sure when he um, arrived in England. He really didn't have much to do with us growing up. He was he was definitely absent. It's funny because when I saw this was one of the, the questions, 
it occurred to me and I said, you know, I've never asked my mum these questions. I mean, I can ask her these now as a grown adult, but being a child and, you know, a teenager, you don't really ask your mum too much questions. Well, I didn't anyway. Uh, Tracy, it's interesting you say that because we got together as Caribbean American moms and we talked about, you know, about how our parents got here. And that was the first time that I had asked my mother how why she came to America. And, you know, I, I realized that I never really knew why they came here. Right. Um, and that was only like three, four years ago. So this whole time I had no idea. I, did, I never had that conversation with her. And she passed away in December. So I urge you to talk to them about this now. because Definitely, definitely. That we lose. And it's, you know, it's something that you don't want to lose. You want to share with your kids because I have the opportunity to share with my child now, you know, the history. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that was a great conversation, wasn't it, Diane, Renee? That was it really definitely good. was. It yeah. was. And it is important to have the conversation. Um, you know, um, we I think myself, I was brought up where you didn't ask too many questions as well. So I totally understand um, why you haven't asked the you asked those difficult questions because sometimes the actual transition to a new place wasn't easy and they often don't want to talk about the challenges mm-hmm. and they wanted to protect us i think from yeah, those yeah. challenges you're right i never thought about that yeah and, and can i just touch on that um like you said it's you know we should ask some questions now because i had to piece things together because Right now, my mom has Alzheimer's. So I had to go back, way back, and and pull all this information up. So you just never know what may happen later on. We don't ask these these questions in the early stages. And like Tracy said, you just just don't, you know. Mm -hmm. And now, but because because she has Alzheimer's now, you know, it's it's kind of a shame, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know for myself, as a child, I was what my daughter says now, an ear hustler. I listened to all my aunts in the kitchen and I would, mm. I would kind of pace, <laughs> I would pace the conversations together like, oh, so that's what happened. And I think usually I'd find out more like, unfortunately, at a funeral or something like that, you'll be like, yeah. oh, okay. So um, definitely listening to some of the old stories and then as an adult asking questions is how I became familiar with our overall story as a family and the migration experience. And then to add to that, Diane, what you learn, teach your children too, right? We want our kids, we don't, this is our legacy. We don't want them to lose it. So we want to make sure that whatever we're learning about our history, like I plan it in my son, even though he doesn't want to think about it now, but I'm hoping that as the little, little nuggets keep coming up, he remembers them later on you know, and he realizes that it was important to know these things. So, you know, I I wanted to just make a quick comment. Um, I know that the weather might have been a shock. And when I think about people migrating from the Caribbean to the UK, I always think about to serve with love, uh, the dynamics that the kids had with the people of different colors. Do you know what it was like for your family, for you, when you actually made it to the UK? Was there any kind of racial issues? Was there any kind of bias towards you because you are Caribbean and you are of a um, different type of background than those people who were born and raised in the UK? Well, I was born and bred in the UK. Um, 
And I would have to say, I do not recall encountering any type of personal, any type of racism personally. Um, not saying that they did not have racism when I was growing up, but personally, I did not encounter racism while growing up in England. Um, throughout my life growing up, we didn't live in a predominantly black neighborhood, so to speak, neither the schools that we went to. So I did not experience that. Um, my mom, when she first came, yes, but me, no. Um, as I said, we were mixed uh, with uh, Caribbean, Indian, Chinese, African, Eastern Europeans. We all played together in, in, in the street, in the neighborhoods we lived and at school. And so it was, it was rather mixed. Um, maybe, we're, maybe we were, how can I say, perhaps naive back then and towards a subtle racism, but I can't say that I experienced that, Ruth. Um, and the same thing in the school that I went, in the schools that I went to, uh, primary, junior and secondary school and even in college. Can I ask a quick question then? Was your formative years in the 80s, 70s, 60s? Can you give us that time frame? Yes, with 60s, 70s, and 80s. Okay. Yeah. I, I also wanted to say, I also wanted to say, I think that our parents as Caribbean people, I think they were very um, cautious and protected us from racism. I, I, I think for us, we were kind of um, given that, that, that bravado of we're just as equal. So I, I, I think the Caribbean experience is a little bit different. I, I don't know if any of you agree that we um, pretty much kind of overlooked it, not like you said, in a naive way. Yeah. Yeah, and like I say, probably we were, we were maybe a little bit naive, but um, yeah. I mean, even we, we had um, after school clubs um, at the community center that we would go to. And again, that was, for me, I don't know about Tracy or Colette, but for me, it was very multicultural. You can go and hang out, again, white, black, Indian, Chinese, African, mm-hmm. and um, play pool or, or, or table tennis or ping pong. Um, the girls would hang around and chit chat. They had a disco after school. Mm-hmm. Um, disco yeah disco disco music they play disco yeah. music sorry Very cool um, I love disco no no I know <laughs> disco trust me I know disco now we not, just, not we, didn't discos. we didn't have discos around here when we were kids we were just like we would play boom boxes on the street but we didn't have discos. We <laughs> no this was that this, this was that a community center <laughs> oh yeah not at the community center no we would we would play boom boxes and oh. you know, rap and stuff but it was, oh. there was no there was no disco oh you know that sounds really cool it sounds very um very structured and british though i must say very very now cool. I will say it depended on where you live, because um, I know my best friend, Anne, she grew up in um, a place called Wandsworth um, in London, near Fulham. And that part of West London area is uh, predominantly black mm. and the neighborhoods. And so their after school club would be 99% black. Um, so, and they would get called, you know, there will be another um, 
there'll be other clubs also, if the after-school club that will be also white dominated where we, where you would be the mi minority. And she remembers being called, sometimes being called uh, Nignog or, or Sambo or mm. the Indians would, would be called Packies, go home Packies, you know, names like that. So I was also born and raised in the UK. Um, I lived there for 35 years, like I said before. Mm -hmm. The only two um, incidents I can remember was, I remember in my 20s, I was dating uh, this uh, white guy. And we went to, we went to some place in uh, the West End of London and it was nighttime. And I can remember we were just walking along, holding hands, having a good time and we saw just down in the distance, three black guys. And we're minding our own business. We're walking, walking, and they look at us and then they start, um, they wanted to fight him Ooh. because he was with me. And he was one of those guys, he, he didn't really want, you know, take much mess, even though he's just in his 20s. He didn't, you know, he thought, who are they talking to? Who do they think they are? And I remember I, I had to pull him away and look in his eyes and I said, you do not want to die tonight. It is not worth it. Let's keep walking, keep walking. And I remember they were um, calling me like sellout. And, you know, I think they were more mad at me, but they wanted to fight him. They just didn't like the fact that we were together. So that's one incident I remember. And the other one was... Uh, my best friend, her name was Sharon. We did everything together. We, we raved together. We partied. We, we ate dinner. We did everything together. And I was not allowed in her house. Mm. So She was white, I'm assuming. She was white. Yeah, she was white. Mm. And her mum was fine. Her mum was okay. But the dad, I could not go in the house when the dad was there. Wow. Sometimes Did like she, she come to sick. your house? Did she ever go to your house? Oh, yes. She could come to my house anytime. No. Nope. Mm. Always at my house. But to go to her house, I would have to call ahead and say, like, is your dad there? She says, no, come down. So mm. I went to her house. But then sometimes he would come home early and I would panic. I'd be like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Oh, wow. I would have to hide and just, like, sneak out so he wouldn't see me. Wow. But the, the mum, she was fine. She didn't care, you know. Um, but I remember one day I knocked on the door and I said, you know, uh, is Sharon there? And I asked, the, it was actually the mum that answered the door. And then the dad came behind her and I think he was drunk. And I, I must have been uh, maybe 17, 18. I uh, hadn't quite found my mouth at that stage, but that day I did because he said to me, um, why don't you expletive and go play with the macaroons? Mm. What he meant was to go play with the, it was a, a slang word for coons. Ooh, okay. Expletive and play with the coons or something. Like that. And I just lost my mind. Mm. The only thing I can remember is my mum running from the, the, the flat that we lived in and dragging me away. Because I wanted to, I was so mad. I think I wanted to fight him at that point. I was just so mad and I'd mm -hmm. have him at that point. My first time um, when I came to uh, the suburbs, I went to preschool, I was four 
and I wanted to play with this little girl. And she said, no, I don't want to play with you because you're black. And I was one of one, like everybody was white except one other student. And I told her off in the moment. I was just like, well, I didn't want to play with you anyway. And then I went home and cried. And um, my mom, like my mom still tells the story. She was so proud of me, but she, she just didn't prepare me, I guess, of coming out here and, and just listen, you know, you might be treated differently. I, like you said, I think they might've been, our parents were a little naive. Yeah. Yeah. Or sheltered us. I don't know. I agree. No, that it was just that that was the the main incident, but everything else was was great. I mean, yeah, it was so it, it's so multicultural over there. Yeah, um, you have those pockets of people that you know just like to hate on you know with it, you know because your skin color is a little, a little bit darker than mine. But for the majority the majority of the time, I had no problem whatsoever. Wow. Yeah, well, that's good. That's very different. I think also the differences are that you know, in America, you have Caribbean immigrants, and then you also have African Americans who were former slaves. And in England, you don't have black people who were former slaves as much as you do in America. It, they're mostly, the black people there are mostly immigrants, am I correct? Right. Right, so you don't meet correct. people who were former slaves, so it's like, it's a completely different type of like attitude because when I talk to African-Americans up here, I'm looking at them sometimes like in shock with some of the things that they would think of or say that is racist. And I'm looking at them like, why do you think that's racist? I never thought of it that way. Oh, they look at things so differently because their experiences are so different, you know? Exactly. And the conversation at home is different. You know, as as Caribbean-Americans, we kind of have something to divert to as far as history and where we come from and and it's not the leading conversation um because my mother married into a a southern black american family in columbus georgia i think i have a better understanding of the experience and what the conversation at home was and why they always you know tend to lead with race first because that is the narrative of the home And you also have to remember that a lot of these Black families that are displaced, especially in our region now from the South, they carry those things with them. And and so I think for us, it's different. Yeah. Um, And the way we deal with it, the way we address it, right? Um, We're more head on, like, who the hell do you think you are? You know, as Caribbean people, like, Mm. and because we, many of us, our parents were brought up under the Commonwealth, we have a lot of the... Uh, of the the principle, right? Um, I had a big argument with my cousin the other day because she wouldn't put her napkin in her lap at a restaurant. She was like, mm. why is it so important? I'm like, are you crazy? Look well, where was, where, then where, I had to where, say to myself. Where she put the napkin though? Where was the napkin? It was just like on top of the table. You know, it was oh, just Lord. on the dining oh, table, Lord. right? Yeah, that and, ain't and, right. And she said to me, well, why is it such a big deal? And I really had to, I said, well, why don't you just look around the room? Um, everyone's napkin is in their lap. So I say all of that to say that we, we come up with a lot more of that British uh, way of thinking unbeknownst to us. We don't realize that that's what it is, but it is. Yeah. We have that more of that structure. True that, true that. And and Ms. Collette, uh, I don't think we got to you about the question of race. And then we'll ask Yvonne as well. Um, I don't remember any racism, um, experience any racism. 
Um, like I said, um, we lived in a multicultural area, blacks, whites, and we all played together. So I didn't experience, I, I don't remember experiencing any of that. Um, yeah. Can I just, I, I just find this to be, I mean, maybe it is naivete, but Meghan Markle, if, if UK was so accepting of all these different cultures that existed for hundreds and hundreds of years in the UK, why did Meghan Markle have such an issue that she had to actually leave her title to get a, a somewhat respectful life? Like that is a good question, Ruth. Like, yeah. like there, there's a reason why I brought up um, to serve with love because there was a part where one of the kids' family members died, and they were afraid to go and and give condolences because they didn't want to walk into somebody who was a minority or a black mm-hmm. home. So, like, I I understand. Like, it's it's odd. Maybe it's just in pockets of the UK or just in certain income brackets in the UK, it exists, but it doesn't exist for everybody. And you remember in UK also, it's, it's all, well, not UK, even in the West Indies, it's classism as well. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't know, Ruth, to be honest with you. Um, it, it depends on, on, on where, what area you're in. I, I really couldn't answer that question. I, I don't know. And it's just the royal family. And, and, the, and some of the British people mm-hmm. back then it was different as opposed to now that's the only thing I could think of mm. as to why they given her a, gave given her a hard time and the reason why she had to leave so I have watched small acts um and there's five episodes so far and they're all really really interesting but all of them do touch on racism in England and so I've seen the one about the young man who gave up his job as a uh, uh, um, geologist um, or scientist to become a cop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the one about the subnormal schools in England and how a lot of Caribbean children were being put in these subnormal schools because they weren't, because basically they were disturbing the, the peaceful children. And so they put them in these schools. I guess I'm curious as to where this was happening. I know you guys primarily grew up in multicultural areas. Is this something that was happening in more of the black areas? And what was that like? The what what were the black areas in um in the UK? Were there pockets of them or did everybody live in like these multicultural dwellings? Um the uh <clears throat> the black areas you talk about were Brixton, um Notting Hill Gate, Labrook Grove area, uh Shepherd's Bush area. Am I correct in saying that Tracy and Colette and Yvonne? Yes, um, and Tottenham as well. Do you remember the Tottenham, uh, the Tottenham riots? Yeah. 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 What were the Tottenham riots? I think it all started, um, they knocked on the door of a black woman um, in this, um, <sighs> this place was called Broadwater Farm and you could call it the, um, the British projects, if you will. And I remember the the story, they knocked on the door of a black woman and I don't know what happened. There was some sort of altercation and she ended up having a heart attack and she died. Mm. So the the residents, they lost their minds and there was a big riot. And this is a predominantly black black area. Um, 
I think it was in the 80s and they had a huge riot because I think they had trouble with the police and the black boys over there and they would give them such a hard time and, you know, everybody would had enough and they rioted over there, something crazy. And remember, it got so gruesome that one of the officers, Officer Keith Blakelock, I think his name was Thelma, Keith Blakelock, yeah. and yeah. beheaded him. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. It was so bad. I know. Never forget those riots. Wait, who beheaded the the the, the, the police? The rioters. The rioters who beheaded they, a cop. Yes, Keith Blakelock. Yes, they do. And they mad yep. at Black Lives Matter, and somebody beheaded a cop. Can Ooh. you imagine? Wow. Yeah, this happened oh, in. Yeah, crazy. I'm sure it was Probably the 80s. Beheaded somebody. Like, is it a machete? Is it? A yes, that's thing? what it was. Yeah. Oh my god. Because you know exactly West Indians right. will have a machete. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they call it a cutlass. They call it a cutlass. They have guns in, in the UK. Ooh. They will chop you and put you in several pieces. West Indian people are known for that machete. And yeah. rub jerk yeah. on they you, did. Rub jerk out. and cook. No, I'm just wow. That machete is serious. Wow. I didn't know about and I, that. And I believe he was cleared as well, Tracy, wasn't he? Um... Uh, after a few a few years, he did go to prison. He went to prison yeah. and he was he was released. But that's yeah. where a lot of the racism, I would say, actually came from. It came from the police. Yeah. Yeah. It, what they had a, a, a law called SUS. So mm -hmm. they could just stop a black person, men, guys, boys in particular, and that's just true. harass them. Mm -hmm. So that that's that's where a lot of the racisms came from. That's where um a lot of writing came from the police. They completely just had in, enough and that was it. That's how the Brixton riots came about as well. Well, that's interesting because that's exactly, it's, it's almost aligning with what's happening in America, how black men are being treated by the police and how they've been treated for like decades and decades since past Jim, post Jim Crow and post civil rights, you know, they just figured out a different way to kind of take away their freedom. And that's through incarceration and changing the laws so that black men have higher sentences and get pulled over and get, you know, taken into custody much at a much more rapid rate than that of white men. So that's, that's quite interesting. And it does speak to what we saw on the small act series. Um, so you guys didn't see it in your educational system at all. Did you see any kind of, uh, racism that you know of in the educational system? I, I did not. Um, again, whether I was naive to it, but I did not see it. I did not see it and I didn't experience it. To be Colette? My no, fellow, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely not um, within the school system. I didn't see it. I didn't feel it. No. Interesting. And me well, neither. <laughs> me neither. you neither okay no okay. so being the trini socialite I, I i have to ask this question um you know one of my things that i want to do is to visit london for carnival have what are your what is your experience uh with the london carnival uh in i think it's nottingham and um not in is it nottinghill not yes me? <laughs> yeah, you don't go carnival. You don't go. You don't turn up. How do um, how do how do the British turn up? In droves. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So Americans say turn up like party. 
Go on, Yvonne. I'm not going to interrupt. Go on, Yvonne. <laughs> How did the British party? How did the British party? Oh, they were good in my time. <laughs> a, lot of Jama- a lot of reggae music, a lot of soca. In my time, it was good. I used to go to the blues at on Friday night. Uh, Saturday night would be club or, or party. The blues would be like a house party. A house dance, we call it house dance at that time. You go to the house dance on Friday night and, you know, clubs and thing on Saturday. Mm. Yeah, it, it was Sunday, good. no party and, on Sunday? And Sunday stretch. Ah. <laughs> you have to forgive, you have to ask the Lord for right, forgiveness right. on Sunday, right? Where um, racial is, is um, concerned, I didn't experience that myself. Mm. And I, I went to England in the 50s. I didn't mm. experience it. Mm. Okay. You know, so, so I couldn't say much about that, you know? Okay. So I do want to, um, because we're coming to the end, we like to keep it on a full hour, on a strict hour. But what I want to know is, there are two questions left that we want to ask. But the one main one I want to ask about at this point is your children. You're all, most of you are parents. And when you talk to the children now, how do you make sure that they have both your British and your Caribbean culture in them, being that you've left England? And how rooted are they in that culture? Like, how do they feel about the cultures? I I can say I teach my children our culture. Mm. And they teach their children. They like they like uh, um, our culture because when we I sit down and we will I will tell them things that I used to do as a child and and so on. You know they say, "Wow, I wish I could do that." Mm, <laughs> you know, that's nice. Yeah. So I teach I teach my children just what I expect them to do. Mm. You know, I teach them to to respect and have manners to to people and and don't don't care people down because you don't know mm. you don't know. So don't you look at someone and say oh la 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 you know because you don't know what they're going through. So yeah. therefore, you know. What about the food and the music? Them. What about like teaching them the different foods and stuff? Um, have you have they all adopted your recipes, all- your cooking? <laughs> You know, all shepherd's have, pie as well as curry chicken, like how curry, how, goat. How, curry goat, any British yeah, dishes, African saltfish, fried dumpling, yeah, yam, gungo pea soup. Don't mm-hmm. worry, mm-hmm. they all know they know how to cook everything. all of that, and they Good know you. how to do it all. Good for you. How about the rest of you, Thelma? I know, I know Nathaniel is a cook, and Colette, Tracy. Yeah, Nathaniel, um, he, I have taught him from young, actually, you know, about the British culture. And he's also been fortunate enough to have, have lived over there for um, part of his years and also went to university over there. So he, he embraces the British cult, my British culture, and even so much um, mum's um, culture, the Guyanese and Bajan culture. He loves, he loves, loves, loves the music, the different traditions and the foods. 
Um, one of his favorite dishes from Guyanese is a pepper pot. Nathaniel has to have pepper pot Christmas morning. Mm. <laughs> has to have pepper pot Christmas morning. So he's into his he's into his West Indian roots. He's a proud a proud young man of his uh, of his culture of the, the heritage of mummy's roots and and even his dad because his dad was from Grenada. He's deceased now. But um, far as the English uh, culture, he loves his um, bangers and mash. Okay. So, there you go. <laughs> yes, there you go. And Tracy? Um, well, I, first time I took my son to England, he was six months old. And since then, he's been back about four or five times. Uh, he loves it over there. He loves the cold. I don't know what's wrong with him. My goodness. <laughs> he does like the cold. Um I've also taken him to uh, Barbados. We went a couple of years ago, right, Thelma? We had a great time. Yeah. Uh, I, wanted to, I wanted him to see, like, where he's from. You know, half of him is 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 British and Barbados, and the rest of him is uh, American German. So I'm hoping his dad will one day take him to 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 Germany um, to see his German roots. But um, I teach him how to cook beans on toast. He'll do his fish and chips. Um, he love a shepherd's pie. We curry it up. We've got to put a little blackness in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, what else does he like to do? Um, I can't do the cuckoo. Sorry, Thelma, the, the Bayesian cuckoo. Mm-mm, we're not going to learn how to do that one. I don't know if ah. I ever had the cuckoo. I can't do the cuckoo. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but, yeah, so I have taken him to uh, those two places so he can uh, know where he's from. That's wonderful. Equally. So it's wonderful. And Colette? Yeah, um, I don't have any children, um, but I have I have um, inherited my mom's cooking. Mm. Definitely know how to cook all of the West Indian foods. There are some there are some that I do have to say to her, oh, you put your foot in that. What, what did you do? <laughs> um, I still have to go back to her and ask her, you know, how how to master it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But um, I do have nieces and nephews and they, too, know how to cook as well. So it's yeah. definitely being handed down from generation to generation and. I'm praying that their children, because I am now a great aunt, that they will then instill that into them as well as, you know, they, they're now currently eating it. Wonderful. So, yeah. You know, one of the funniest things, one of the things that make everybody laugh is when I impersonate my mother, because I can talk like a guy and he's in one second and be like, hey, don't make your eye pass me. Don't do that. And people think it's so funny, but it's just something that's a part of who I am. How many of you... How many of your kids, because I don't think my son will ever sound like a Caribbean, like I was able to do for my mom. Do your kids, are your kids able to adopt the accent? Well, Nathaniel, you know, he imitates the, the British accent. Uh, oh, yes. he, was born, he was born here. He was born actually in um, Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> um, but he, you know, after living there, you know, and me being British, he he's adopted the English accent and then he will try to um, imitate mom her Guyanese accent as well but it don't sound right does it but it doesn't it does sound you know it doesn't sound right at all <laughs> not authentic yeah but but you're his mom so he sounds more British than yeah yeah, yeah. so that's that's 
Yeah. That's what Matt, Matt does. <laughs> yeah. Because Marky tries to do his grandma, but it sounds so inauthentic. I'm like, oh, that's a mess. You just yeah. butchered her accent. And then he'll, um, he'll also try the Bajan, but that doesn't work either. <laughs> that, that's a tough one. Yeah. And Miss Yvonne? Well, my children try to talk um, like they're Jamaican, but it just doesn't come out right. Mm. They try. They try. Mm -hmm. But it's just not there, mm. you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I leave them at that. If they, they think that they're doing it, so I leave them at that. Ah. <laughs> um, I've been teaching uh, my son the, the Cockney accent, which is a, uh, let's see, the I Idris Elba accent, uh, uh, Jason Statham. They're very uh, Essexy. Um, I'll give you an example. They're like a... Oi, mate, uh, guess, uh, fancy a cup of tea, do ya? That's how I teach him to, you know, do the, the Cockney. Um, English so cool. Accent. How's he doing with it? <laughs> How's he doing? He does it really well. He's oh, okay. much better at it now, so he can turn it on and turn it off. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, the Bayesian accent, and I haven't really taught him that one. <laughs> mm. Now, can you whip out a Bayesian accent? That would my mouth be. Tracy, got your cocky rubbish to go. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so good. Yeah. That was that, good. That yeah. was good, Tracy. What's wrong with you? Uh-uh. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Well done. That's, that's my mom right there. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I would like to think that I could, you know, um, talk a little bit about Jamaican. I suppose when I do it, it might be this speaky spoky. Jamaican, you know, where you have to be polite. The proper Jamaican, uh, like Renee. Yeah, I, 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 I <laughs> the proper Jamaican. <laughs> yeah, but I, I suppose I try, I try and do my best. But um, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll say thank you for having us and for listening to our our, our stories. Thank you. Thank I hope, you. I hope thank you, you. learned a little bit from each of each of us. So thank you again. Thank you. Good you. Night. Good night. Bye. Good night, Bye. Renee and Ruth. Good night, ladies. This sauce. This sauce. This sauce. Boy, come and taste this sauce. Thank you for listening to Tea and Talk. If you like what you heard, please like, share, subscribe, and comment. Until next time. She give you subway, I will give you saltfish We Caribbean girls are trendsetter We wind better, we wind better When you find ways like you find treasure We wind better, we wind better Cause everybody know we are go-getter We wind better, we wind better And we sweet like a dozen love a letter We wind better, we wind better